You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome to everyone on this lovely Sunday morning or afternoon, depending on where you are. You are here live with Dr. Jeff Werber, host of Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff here on Pet Life Radio's only live call-in radio show. Call-in seems to be the key word here. We, we want to hear from you. It's for some reason, I know you know from the emails I get, from the numbers that we see, the feedback that we get back at, uh, at the main office to our wonderful producer, Mark, we know that people are listening. We just need you to call in. And we're giving you so many easy ways to do it. Number one, pick up the phone, 877-385-8882. Once again, area code 877. It's a freebie. 385-8882. You can also join in on the conversation. Just join us on live on the webpage. Go on to the Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff tab, and you will see a page comes up. And that's me, me with Lassie, and a little area where you can just start typing away. Join in on the conversation. Very, very easy to do. Uh, and lastly, just send us an email to drjeffdrjeff at petliferadio.com, and I will get it forwarded to me live on air, and we can talk about whatever it is you'd like to talk about. I always ask you if you have any things that you'd like to hear, any problems you're having with your pet, any questions you have about a diagnosis or about a treatment option, or if the veterinarian or your vet is giving you some ideas or some options about what to do, and you want to pick my brain, it's here to be picked. And I am also here, thanks to our sponsors, ProSense Pet Products and Kong. So last week, we talked about cats and uh, just uh, you know, a bunch of things that uh, are dangerous to cats and things like that, and, and some you know, cat conditions, cat diseases, cat questions, what to ask when you go to the veterinarian, what your veterinarian should be looking for, what you should be looking for, why, if there are more cats in the U.S. than dogs, and there are, more cats in the households than dogs, and there are, how come we veterinarians see dogs more? And so we talked about a lot of those things. And um, I was thinking about, I've been practicing now for, this is my 32nd year. So a little experience under my belt, and I've seen it all. And I am often faced now more than ever as my clients are getting older. I have clients that have been with me for all 30 plus of those years. They're pets, sometimes on the third cycle of pets already. And towards the end, you know, as we see pets start to fail, as I have right now in my hospital, a 15 and a half year old Labrador. Now, for any of you that have owned labs before, and myself included, because I have two and I'm on my seventh and eighth Labradors right now, 15 and a half is pretty darn old. And I have a 14 and a half year old lab, as we speak, who's still hanging in there doing great. But I'm often asked, Doc, when is it time? And it's a really, really tough question. And for firstly, I would like to hear from you, and it would be a great conversation. What criteria do you use? I know that anyone listening to Pet Life Radio are seasoned pet parents. You've been there, done that yourselves. What do you look for? What do you look at? What do you start questioning? At what point do you start to say to yourself, oh, God, that poor guy, maybe it's time. And then I want to know what talks you out of it. Because clearly, what I usually say is when I have people come in with that pet, it's sort of like the bell curve. And I'd say 80% fall in the center. And that's the 80% where you can't go wrong. I would not talk you out of it if in your mind it's time. I would not talk you into it if you're even questioning it. From my exam and my evaluation, I don't think the pet is suffering. And it really is a personal decision. Then we have, on one end, the other end, 
And one in the 10% is a dog that comes in, and this has happened to me once. I don't know if many of you have heard the story in the past. One that has plagued and haunted me for the last 31 years, and that was a woman coming into my practice. I was fresh out of school with a a nine-year-old Cocker Spaniel, not in bad shape at all. And she was moving, and she was convinced that this dog would not do well in anybody else's home and wanted to put this dog to sleep. She did not want to run the risk that somebody would mistreat the dog, somebody would uh, mishandle the dog, someone would not give it the same love and attention that she's given it for her the first nine years, and she wanted to put the dog to sleep. Of course, I examined the dog, and this dog was just fine. And I say, no, we work with, I work with rescue groups. Oh, I could easily find a home for this pet. No, 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 no. And I saw I was losing the battle. So again, not knowing that I could put my foot down and say, no, I'm not going to do it. I was just a, an employee veterinarian. I tried to paint a really disturbing picture to her of what the process is like. And my plan was, I would let her know that I would get everything ready. I wanted her to say goodbye. And then I'm going to take the dog to the back and we will give that injection. And I wanted you to see your goodbyes now. And hoping, because my plan, of course, was I'm not putting this dog to sleep. I can get this dog home in two seconds. So here I am, not knowing any better, green behind the ears. This lady, it's her dog, California. It's a piece of property. She can do anything she wants. And I ended up putting this dog to sleep way against my better judgment. And literally, I regret that decision and I have regretted it for the last 30 years. And I didn't know that I could say no or, you know, lady, if you want to put this dog to sleep, someone else has got to do it because I'm not doing it. So ever since then, I have never put the dog to sleep that I don't think was ready. I don't think I couldn't justify. Then we have the other extreme, the other 10%. That's the 10% of the people come in and are in such denial And this poor animal, this poor dog, this poor cat is suffering lateral recumbency, skin and bone, lips are dry. I mean, it is just a sad disaster. The animal can't get up. There's maggots on it. I mean, I have seen what you would never imagine you'd want to see. And I literally have to put my foot down and say, no, no, no. This, it is time. This poor animal is suffering. And we need to put this dog to sleep or this cat to sleep. So those are the two extremes. One's where I refuse. One's where I'm not only pushing for it, I'm insisting. But then we got the 80% in the middle. And I, I, you know, and really there's so many different criteria that people, you know, try to evaluate. What is it? What do you look for? I would like you to give us a call at 877-385-8882. Let's talk about this. When you are faced, and I know you're out there and you've been faced with this, there's no way you are an animal advocate, a pet advocate, a pet parent, enough to listen to us here on Pet Life Radio and not have been to this very, very difficult, emotional, challenging decision about what to do. And sometimes what I've noticed, and I call this the pet guilt, is that I can paint a picture as best I can for the client based on age. Like, you know, we always say age is not a disease. I don't want to say to grandma that 92 years old, right, and say, Graham, sorry, I know you fell and broke your hip, but you know, you're 92. We're just not going to fix it. That would be not a nice thing to do. So likewise, I don't know what kind of shape grandma's in. So one of the things that we always do when faced with a difficult decision, we find a mass in an abdomen, okay? I have two in one week that were abdominal masses. And, you know, were the both in older dogs, were clients wrong to say, you know what, we want to put this dog to sleep? Not necessarily. When you think about some of the, the possibilities Few of them are good, but most of them are not. And it all depends what, where, 
other clinical designs, and what else is going on. So one of the things that I do when I can see that there is an owner, maybe it's you, and you know you're faced with an, an, a senior pet, a senior pet with a problem, and now you're faced with a decision. At what point will you sleep well at night? How much do you need to do? How much do you need to investigate so you don't feel terribly, that you're not haunted when you go to bed at night? What is a minimum database that could help you to determine whether or not you should proceed, whether it's a surgery, whether it's a treatment, whether it's a chemo, whether it's a radiation, or say, you know what, he's had a great life and it seems like we're suffering a little bit. The possibilities aren't that great. Why don't we say goodbye now? If you can do that, all power. That's great. But what I would advise basically is, as I call the minimum database, that is things that you can look for to help determine whether or not this is something that's horrendous or a battle that you're going to lose anyway, and why lose it after spending thousands of dollars, or might we have a chance? And it's a cost-benefit relationship. What might it cost to even decide if we have a chance and how to go about it? So I have these two cases side by side. One is still hanging in there, doing okay, not great. The other one, we already put to sleep. Both presented with abdominal masses, both presented with some fluid in the abdomen, and I have to really underline that. Why? Because depending on the type of fluid in the abdomen and the volume of fluid in the abdomen could really determine what's going on and what the next step might be. So the one that's still hanging in there is a, an older golden retriever, and she clearly had a mass. She was the first taken to an emergency center. They did a quick ultrasound, and there was a mass in her abdomen. Now, most Goldens. If I were a betting person, and I've learned a long time ago not to be, I'd say spleen. Spleen. Uh, so hemangiosarcoma, hemangioma in a golden retriever. I mean, it is like a hot spot in a golden retriever. It's going to be a splenic problem. We would go in, evaluate, take out the spleen, check everything else out, and go from there. So we do an ultrasound on this dog, and sure enough, there's a fairly good-sized mid-abdominal mass in the area of the spleen. Made sense. So there were a few pockets of fluid. I stuck a needle in, and interestingly, the fluid wasn't very bloody. It was more of a serous fluid. That eh, was a surprise. That was a little bit of a surprise. But nonetheless, we uh, took the blood test. Blood tests were okay. Older dog, 12 years old, but pretty good. So I can't use the argument now that, well, we're in really other things are going on. The kidneys are looking bad. The liver is looking bad. Why don't, we, you know, why don't we call it a day? Can't do that because everything looked pretty good. I thought with our modern anesthetics, the dog would be a great candidate for anesthesia. So we went ahead. And interestingly, one of the reasons we talked was that because we were so unsure of what it could be, we didn't want to say, let's put this dog to sleep and have the owners always scratching their head saying, oh, darn, only if I would have, should have, could have, we should have taken a look. At, you know, I don't want, you should never, never go to bed with that guilt that you could have done more and you didn't, that you made a decision a rash decision, not having all the information. And I think it's key, whatever you do, to try to get as much information as you can, much prognostic possibilities as you can, and that's where you can factor in the age. But anyway, it's time for that quick break. Don't go away. Again, when we come back, if you have any, please give us a call, 877-385-8882. Join in on the conversation here at Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff, tab on Pet Life Radio. I would like to hear from you. You don't want to always hear me doing all the talking. Don't go away, but we'll be right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. 
This is my tired of itching face. Does your dog suffer from persistent itching and scratching? Allergies and skin irritations caused by environment, including pollens, insects, especially fleas, food, and common household allergens are common problems in dogs. It's easy to alleviate your dog's discomfort at home with ProSense. ProSense itch and allergy products provide fast relief from symptoms like itchy, irritated skin, skin infections like hot spots, and watery eyes. ProSense products are veterinary formulated and recommended to ensure the very best for your pet. Try ProSense today. Your dog will thank you for it. Pets love life. Love them back with ProSense. Do you know that moment when your dirty dog's about to jump in your nice, clean car? You can avoid all the cleanup and mess with a 4K9 seat cover. 4K9s makes heavy-duty seat covers and cargo liners that will blend seamlessly with the interior of your vehicle. You can find us at 4K9s.com. That's the number 4, K-N-I-N-E-S.com or on Amazon.com. 4K9s makes nothing but the best for your best friend. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. And welcome back. You're here live with Dr. Jeff Werber here on Pet Life Radio's Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Before the break, we were trying to alleviate some of your guilt when you have to make that decision. What do you do? How much should you do? Is it terrible to um, consider costs of what needs to be done to get an answer? No, it's not. This is why it's good to have as much information as you can. Talk to your veterinarian. The key really is to have the ammunition needed to make that tough decision and make it so you can sleep at night. And we were talking about two of my patients that, in a sense, would mirror each other, both with abdominal masses, and both took a totally different route. So the first one, the golden retriever, 12 years old, you know, bloods were great, chest was clear, very important, very important. When you suspect cancer or tumor, you want to evaluate the liver and the chest. Why? because those are the organs that many of these cancers will metastasize to. If you already see metastatic disease in the chest, you are 1,000% justified not to keep going because you're only looking for disaster. You will be pouring money away unnecessarily and wasting it, okay? So that would not be good, not to mention putting your poor dog or cat through a lot of unnecessary tests and poking and prodding and treatments, etc. So if I am evaluating and working up a case that I suspect a cancer and I take those chest x-rays and already see metastases with a bone cancer, we are pulling the plug. It's not fair for the pet, not fair for you. But in this case, the chest was clear. The liver looked great. So we're thinking, you know what? This is fantastic. Let's go in 
and take out the spleen. That'd be cool. Comes back. You know, the three potential splenic diseases that we see, one is a splenic hematoma. It's a huge blood blister that ruptures, bleeding into the belly, and case closed. Take your spleen out. We're cured. Number two, hemangioma, a benign cancer of the spleen. Similar situation, some bleeding, go in, remove the spleen, check everything else out, and everything is clean, close up, you are cured. Lastly, the one that we all hate, hemangiosarcoma. That's the cancer. Now, if it hadn't spread yet, we go ahead, we remove it, and we will look at the liver. We may see some lesions. We may see lesions elsewhere. Even if we don't, we know we're, walk, you know, we're kind of working with a time bomb, but that time bomb could be six months, eight months, 10 months away. So we don't not treat, and we will continue, or at least we do, we'll continue the surgery, remove the, the bad spleen, and then once we get the results back on the biopsy, we then prognosticate a little bit with the owner. And then in the future, as this dog may encounter other problems, which since it's an old dog, it may, that's when we go back to the fact that we have a hemangiosarcoma. That's when we get to say, you know, you know this is bad, just, but to start pouring a lot of money into this kidney issue, I don't know if it's such a good idea. Why? Because we already know that your poor guy has hemangiosarcoma of the spleen. So it helps us make the decisions. It's just another element added to our armamentarium when we have to make these tough decisions. So we went in expecting a spleen, and guess what? As we're opening up the belly, the spleen looked great. The huge mass in that same area was a mass off of the cecum. The cecum is a blind-ending pouch that connects the ileum, which is the, the, the shorter end of the small intestine, into the colon, okay? And it's called the ileocecocolic junction. When dogs get obstructed late from eating that corn cob, oftentimes the obstruction is at that area. The cecum, it serves no purpose really at this point, but it is an area that can get obstructed. The area as, as the ileum is going through that little ileocecocolic junction into the colon, it's much narrower. So we see this, this is a disgusting, ugly mass, but it didn't seem like it was impeding anything. So we remove it and we send it off for biopsy. Sure, it comes back as a low-grade sarcoma. It could be what's called a Lyomeyer sarcoma, which is a sarcoma of the intestinal muscle or a, another thing they called a GIST, which is a gastrointestinal stromal tumor. Regardless, it was not blocking anything. It peeled out. We got the whole thing. We inspected everything else. The liver looked great. The spleen looked great. Everything else looked great. We closed her up. And first week and a half, she's doing great. She represented this past week. Kind of ADR ain't doing right. And taking a blood, which, by the way, three weeks earlier, were normal, perfect. And her kidney values are off the charts. So do I think this is related to the tumor? No. We have a low-grade tumor. She was doing phenomenally. And you don't go from phenomenal, a BUN, to normal at 28 or 27, up to 150 in a few days. This all happened in a few days. My hunch is, and she's in the hospital right now, she got into something. She got into a nephrotoxin. We've talked about a number of kidney toxins before on the show. So we're treating her for that. The ultrasound still looks good. There's no bleeding in the belly. Nothing else to link the surgery and the cancer to what's going on now. So we're f- keeping our fingers crossed. She's on IV fluid. She's on antibiotics. She's on supportive care, doing a lot better. She's not vomiting anymore. By the way, as the b one gets very high, one of the side effects is vomiting. So there is Meadow. Now we go into this other case. Dog comes in, lateral recumbency. Belly is very bloated. 
And right away, I say, I could feel, you could feel when there's fluid in the belly. The gums are white. So again, white gums, anemia, one of, typically one of three things. It's a blood loss. It's a blood destruction, immune-mediated hemolytic anemia, or it is a bone marrow breakdown and no more cells are being made. Those are pretty much the big three. They're being destroyed, they're no longer being made, or we're actually losing. Well, you look on the outside of the dog, no cuts, nothing. And so it wasn't lost to the outside, but that huge belly with fluid in it, I was very nervous. Right on the uh, ultrasound machine, and sure enough, a belly full of blood, I have my answer, right? We go in, and this was a much older dog. This dog was 14 or 15, and we are deciding now, do we just put it to sleep now? If you put it to sleep now, what chance does it have? Zero. If it was, in fact, a splenic tumor, one, even if it was the tumor, even if it were yeah, two-thirds of a chance, it could have been the non-tumor, hemangioma or hematoma. And the third could be hemangiosarcoma. But even still, we could buy this dog a lot of time. So this is the key. This is what's going to help you sort of make a good decision. We went ahead and we did the workup. Chest was clear. Bloods were good. The dog otherwise was fine. The Paxil volume was still hanging in there, enough to handle the surgery without a transfusion. And sure enough, we go in surgically. And yes, the spleen is a problem, but that's not where the blood was coming from. We take a good look at the liver, and the liver was the one that had some open bleeding sores. And it was a mottled appearance. So the hemangiosarcoma here, or if it was a mangio, it could have been a, uh, you know, hepatal, we call it hepatocarcinoma, a liver cancer. But even still, the main organ involved was the liver, and it was all of it, not just one lobe. So basically, we're dealing with an inoperable terminal problem. And it was so important for mom that she really had a chance to say goodbye, which he did. She spent a lot of time with him before surgery, as I always have clients do, just in case we do get in there and find out that it is way more than just the spleen. But she wasn't really ready. We recovered the dog. What happens is, when, by the way, when a lot of these dogs bleed, the clotting factors are working fine. So they clot and they will build up, actually build up red cells again. I had a golden retriever patient years ago. The owner refused to let us do the surgery. And this dog went six months with splenic cancer because it, the bleeding would start and stop and start and stop. And the dog would build up and got okay again. Ultimately, ultimately, she passed. But with the terrible, horrendous prognosis, he uh, actually did this th- great through the surgery, did phenomenally. Woke up, she came in, spent some time. He was all, you know, still hooked up to IV. Her husband was actually ready to take the dog home. His dog did look pretty good after surgery, I got to tell you. But he knew it was just going to be a matter of days. And she did not want to put him through that. She didn't want the emotional baggage, knowing that she prolonged his potential suffering for those few days. And they elected to say goodbye. But Here's my point. My point is she's going to sleep at night knowing she did the right thing. She's not going to scratch her head. She's not going to question herself. She's not going to ever wonder, oh, my God, if I would have, could have, should have, if I had the money, if I did this. And I tell people a lot of times, and I'm very practical. After 30 years, I get to wear my practical hat a lot. And I will say to somebody, if I thought for a second that I can really give you or give this pet more time, I'd have you go outside and beg, borrow, or steal. But I can't. This is not a good thing. I can tell you right now, based on all the clues that I'm seeing, you can sleep well knowing that you did the right thing, okay? And I'll tell people that, and that does help them a lot. I never want someone leaving the office guilty that they, they hastened into that difficult decision that is going to plague them later on. I try to avoid that, and I think that your veterinarians you should work with, 
get the minimal information that you can make a good decision, the right decision for your pet. Anyway, I'm so sorry that no one called in. If you have any, anyone wants to send me an email, this is an interesting topic. We can talk way more about it. I'd be happy to go into a specific case if there's one you're going through right now to help you through it. Anyway, once again, thanks to ProSense. Thanks to Kong for sponsoring. I was, I am, but was your host for the last 30 minutes, Dr. Jeff Werber. Ask the Vets with Dr. Jeff. Uh, Hopefully you'll tune in next week, same time, and we'll catch you then. Have a great week. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.